Here's something new and exciting. Spiritual Tools for an Outrageous World is now on social media with uplifting slash mind-bending updates throughout the week. So please follow me on Facebook at David Sachs Spiritual Tools or on Instagram, David Sachs Spiritual Tools. Hi, this is David Sachs and welcome to Spiritual Tools for an Outrageous World. Every week we do a little couples therapy between us and God. It's a chance to deepen and explore our most important relationship. Okay, I'm glad you're here and and happy Hanukkah. Um, I've been learning some just wonderful things that have just completely kind of um, redefined Hanukkah for me. And and I, I just the the first night of Hanukkah, I I lit the menorah and I looked at the flame and I I saw the flame in a way that I've never seen it in my entire life, and it's all because of. Um, these uh, Torahs that I've been learning um, from the Eretz Svi, that's, that's Rav Frummer. And again, he was the, the Rosh Yeshiva of Hachmei Lublin, which was the greatest yeshiva in the world um, before World War II. So, so, so there's some awesome, awesome, awesome Torahs uh, uh, coming your way, God willing. And before we start, let me just, uh, let me just throw out some Hanukkah goodies, okay? <laughs> these are just... These are just just like wonderful Torah treats, in my opinion. So, number one, I don't know if you ever heard this. I don't know how I went through my whole life without knowing this. But the Gematria of Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe, our teacher, the Gematria of Moshe Rabbeinu is 613. So, if if you're part of the club that didn't know that and somehow lived to this day without knowing that Moshe Rabbeinu is Gematria 613... Then happy Hanukkah. Okay, here's another one. Uh, the Bnei Yisachar brings very famous Torah that if you add up the the um, the the gematria of the letters on the dreidel, right? So a dreidel has a a shin, um, a nun, a uh, a gimel, and a hay. If you add that up, that's the gematria Mashiach. Okay, so. Here's another one. If somehow you got through life without knowing that the letters of the dreidel add up to Mashiach, happy Hanukkah. Um, okay, and here's here's one more, um, which is, um, this is from Rob Frimmer. And he points out that, you know, whenever you have a flame, remember we're talking about the menorah and the, the Hanukkah lights. Whenever you have a flame, you have two dynamics uh, happening simultaneously. You have... Um, you have destruction and you have light. So so how do you see destruction? Well, the the wick is burning. The wick is burning and the oil is being is being you know consumed. So so that's destruction. But simultaneously you also have light. And so what Rav Frimmer says is from that that we can learn from from the lights, that that we have to be lights. Meaning to say what? Meaning to say that we have to take all of that, all the obstacles, all the, all, all the destructive aspects that can go on in our lives, right? And we have to turn those things into light. Any obstacles that come your way, you turn it into light, you turn it into heavenly service. And that's a lesson that we can all learn from, 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 from candlelight and from the menorah. Okay. So I promised you, some 
some good Torahs and, and maybe a new understanding of Hanukkah, uh, God willing, and, and let's, let's, let's dive in. So, so let's begin with, um, with a teaching uh, from the Chedush Rim. He was the first Ger Rebbe. And he says something very, very relevant, I think, especially to all of us today. Um, it's been true for all time. We'll see it even goes back to the Garden of Eden. But um, we'll, we have to do some work before we, we get there. But, but let's, um, let's start with the Chedush Rim. He says that the Greeks didn't just impurify our oil. They impurified our minds. Okay, that's that's like that's heavy. That's heavy. So let's let's just say that again, and we'll figure out what he means by this. The Greeks didn't just seek to impurify our oil, but they also impurified our minds. Okay, so what does that mean? So basically, the whole Greek, the whole Greek system, works on rationality and and what can be proven. And if it can't be absolutely proven scientifically, then it doesn't exist. Then it falls into the realm of superstition, right? But as I heard Reb Shlomo say one time, uh, so simply, but it contains like, you know, in his typical way so much, he said that the world doesn't work in a one plus one equals two way. And if you think about it, think about your life. Think about the way the world runs. Does anything actually make sense? I mean, it makes sense on paper. And then you apply it to real life. And then all of a sudden, there's like a thousand X factors, things that you could never have anticipated. And, 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 and those are all part of the system. So, so we have sort of like a, the, it works on paper idea. And then we have real life and real life defies just because it's so much larger, it's just so much bigger. So, so the Greeks put forth this system where everything has to make sense or it's not real. And another way of phrasing that is it was a worldview that, that worked on what we call the natural order. In Hebrew, we have a word for it. We call it teva, Right? Teva is the natural order. And in fact, their system is like, all you have is the natural order. And the Jewish system is very much not that. We acknowledge that there's a natural order, but we say that the natural order is actually contained in something so much larger, which is miracles which is Hashem, which is just the infinity of God. And that the natural order is just just a small subset of this infinite, miraculous, loving God that we're being embraced by at all times. So, so we have to think about this some more. And, and I promised we'd, we'd go to the Garden of Eden, and let's, let's just go there right now. You see... What happened with this snake? What was what was this idea of the snake poison, the zuama? If you want to, that's the term they use in like kabbalistic books. What what was this? Um, what was this thing that was imparted to us when we ate from the tree of knowledge? 
And Rab Tzadok Cohen put it so amazingly in, in, in one sentence. He said, what the snake did to us was it put in our minds the sense that there could be a place where God isn't. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that again because there's like, you know, when I was in, in high school, I think, I learned in, in, in an astronomy class that there are these collapsed stars. I think they're called dwarf stars. And a teaspoon of a dwarf star weighs like billions of pounds. Do you hear that? A teaspoon weighs billions of pounds. So I'm going to tell you that Torah from Ratzadika Cohen again, because in that sentence, that sentence weighs billions of pounds, okay? What did this snake do to us? It made us believe that there was such a thing as a place where God isn't. Okay? Now, now let's 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 work with that and let's tie that into the whole story of Hanukkah, to the whole story of miracles and things like that. And we're just getting started right now. You see, if you think that there could be a place where God isn't, then what you've done is you've said that that basically the natural order is really the truth. See, there's a small step between saying that there could be a place where God isn't and saying that all that exists is the natural order. Let me explain further. You see, one of the things that the, that the Greeks proposed, and this is like a wild thought, but believe it or not, this was believed up until fairly recently, up until about 100 years ago, by many people, okay, many super intelligent people. Um, and that was that the universe always existed. It's kind of a crazy thought, like, because it makes no sense whatsoever. How can the universe have always existed? In other words, in other words, the foundational idea is that the natural order, that which we call nature, that it always was. That that's, that, that that's all there is, is this thing called the natural order. Now, how did that idea get uprooted? And it got uprooted, believe it or not. Who comes to the rescue of, of the Torah? The quantum physicists. And how did they do it? With the Big Bang Theory. Because what they were able to show scientifically was that there was a starting point for the universe, which means that the universe wasn't always here. Because if you can scientifically prove that there was a starting point to the universe, that means that there was a beginning, as in, Breshis bara Elohim as Hashemayim Vesa'aretz. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In other words, physics finally catches up to the Torah. Physics finally proves that there was, in fact, a beginning to everything. Which means, simply put, that the universe wasn't always here. That there was a beginning. So now, now that we know that, that this is actually the, that, well, it's what the Torah has been saying from, from the very start, but that, but that it's also being corroborated by, by, by modern science, we know that this Greek idea that all that really exists is the natural order is really off. But that means something much deeper.
okay? Which means that the foundation of everything is actually not the natural order. The foundation of everything is actually miracles. And now let's go a little bit deeper into that, because all of this is going to tie together with Hanukkah and the light. You see, we have a very far out teaching, right? And all the Rebbe say this, all they, everyone is in agreement about this. And it's really a far out idea, which is that when you light the menorah, what is that light? So you say, well, you know, I've got a little oil or I've got a candle. It's candlelight. And what is this candlelight? Well, this candlelight is a commemoration of the miraculous events, the, the, the oil that burned. It was only supposed to burn for, for one day, and it burned for eight days. And we're commemorating this miracle in our homes right now with this candlelight. Okay, that's great if you're in third grade. That, that's great. <laughs> but <laughs> if you're in this talk... <laughs> And you're you're you wanna you wanna understand what the Torah really is saying? It's saying no 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 no. Okay, as as Reb Shlomo would say, that's sweet and cute, but but let's let's let, we got to get a little deeper, right? Which is that candlelight going on on your menorah in your house is the Or Haganus. Now, what is that? If you don't know that that catchphrase. That is the original light of creation. When God created the world, he created it with this tremendous light. By the way, when, when God says, Vayahi or, let there be light, he's not talking about the light of the sun. A lot of people think that's the light of the sun. It's not. It was this awesome, awesome, incredible light that outstrips the light of the sun by like quantum levels, Okay. And then God hid away this light for the end of days, and it will return. Okay? So this candlelight that you're going to put in your house tonight, that is the Or Haganus. Okay, so how does that work? Because it sure looks like a candlelight to me. <laughs> and if it's the Or Haganus, why isn't it like just like liquefying my house and like vaporizing like everything? By the way... By the way, you should know this story, and um, I'm forgetting the name of the Rebbe. Please forgive me, but but I heard it from Rebbe Shlomo, and the story goes like this. And keep in mind that the menorah is the Or Haganus, okay? So this this woman who is the daughter of a, of a Rebbe marries this man who's the son of a Rebbe, and she goes to his house. It's the first Hanukkah, and now she's seeing her father-in-law, who's like, a Rebbe, right? But not the Rebbe, her father, who she grew up with. It's a different Rebbe. She sees him light the menorah. And what does he do? He lights the menorah. And as soon as he lights the menorah, he runs out of the room. So after, you know, some time, her new father-in-law, the, the, the Rebbe, and it's, it's one of the famous Rebbe's, um, says to her, so, what'd you think? And she says, well, you know, to be honest, you know, in, in my home, my, my, my father, the Rebbe, would, would light the candles and he, he would, like, sit with them all night. And the Rebbe looked at her and he said, you know, instead of asking me why I didn't sit longer with the candles, you could have asked, 
How could it be that I was able to light the menorah and still live? So that's coming from an appreciation that the light of the menorah is the Or Haganuz, is this original light of creation. And it's so awesome. How can you even stand in front of it, right? How can you even take it? So, so we have to explain it further. How is it the Or Haganuz, right? What, what, what's just like the, just the normal understanding of that? I mean, we get the idea of it, but what's, what's just the normal understanding of it? And what we have to do is we have to go back to, I think, a very important point right now, because I think psychologically, this sort of, there's a big misunderstanding and it negatively influences how most of us look at the world. Okay. And, And it goes like this. I believe that most people believe based on a misreading of the Torah or just uh, just a lack of sophistication in terms of understanding, that the world started with darkness and then God said, let there be light. Okay? And that is, in fairness, how the narrative of the Torah begins. So so it's, it's, it's understandable why, why people misunderstand it. But that's very negative because what it tells you is is that really everything, the foundation of everything really is darkness. And then God lights up the darkness. But really, it's all about darkness. Okay, so it's not true. Because before the world was created, all that existed was God. In other words, the beginning of existence is not the creation of the world. <laughs> the beginning of existence in the in the in the deepest widest sense is the presence of god right as we say reshis chachma yiras hashem right the beginning of all wisdom is the awareness of hashem it all begins the foundation of everything is hashem so before there was a world there was hashem and one of the names of hashem is or in sof, light without end. Which means to say that before there was the darkness at the beginning of creation, all there was was God, all there was was light. That's all there was. Just this awesome light, this miraculous light. That's the foundation of everything. You see, What does it mean when we think that there is such a thing as a natural order? You see, most people think, and I'm talking about even people who learn Torah, they think the following. There's two categories, right? There's two categories. And I'm talking about from the point of view as a, from a believer, okay? A believer says there's two categories. The first category is the natural order. That's the rising of the sun and the setting of the sun. If I drop something, the laws of gravity kick in and it falls to the ground, right? This is, this is the natural order. And then there's the second category, miracles. Miracles defy the natural order. In other words, really we have the natural order and then every once in a while, Hashem will make this extraordinary exception 
and create a miracle which defies the natural order. Okay, this is wrong. What I just told you is completely wrong. There aren't two categories, the natural order and the miraculous. There are not two categories. There is only one category, and that category is the miraculous order. So then what's the natural order? Doesn't the sun rise and the sunset? Can't you like predict it and time it? No, 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 no. You know what the natural order is? Miracles that we become bored with. (laughs) That's all it is. Miracles that we become used to and miracles that we become bored with. That's all the natural order is. Everything is miraculous. Nothing has to happen. Nothing has to be the way it is. And just because something happens over and over again doesn't make it any less miraculous. You just have gotten bored by it, that's all. But the miraculous nature is still in place, and it can change at any moment. I'll just tell you a story from my life, which sort of illustrates this in kind of a tiny little way. So um, uh, when I first started going to Minion on a regular basis during the week in the morning, um, it was a small little minion, and I'm a lady, so that means that you know the 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 second aliyah, the second calling up to the Torah, is is reserved for for the tribe of Levi. So so anyway, I started going to this little minion, and uh, I was so happy because I got the Levi aliyah every single time. I was like, oh, this is so good, you know. And then all of a sudden, one day it hit me, oh. The reason why I'm getting the Levi Aliyah every single time is because I'm the only Levi. <laughs> and that day, another Levi showed up and he got the Aliyah. <laughs> and I realized an important lesson, which is just because something happens every single day doesn't make it any less of a gift. And that's this idea that even the natural order is just an extension of God guiding the world, and it's just an extension of miracles. But we've become closed off to them. See, you know, I was thinking of like a a visual that I want to share with you. You know, I believe it was Rabbi Chaim Shmuel Levitz who who came up with this mushal, this example, and I'm I'm just going to add like a little PS to it at the end. You know what really life is? You know what all of life is? He says, imagine a mother is holding a baby, right? And, and uh, you know, she's, she's in America, say, and she gets on a plane and she flies to China, right? And she's holding the baby. And then let's say she flies to Australia and, you know, she still has the baby in her arms. She flies to Israel, right? So from, from the mother's point of view, she's traveled all over the world, right? But from the baby's point of view, it's been in the same place the whole time in its mother's arms, right? The baby hasn't gone anywhere. The mom has gone everywhere, but the baby has only stayed in one place, which is its mother's arms. 
And that's us and God. That's us and God. Now I'm going to add a little PS to that. Imagine you put a little, kind of like a little cover over the baby's eyes. Right? So that the baby doesn't realize that it's in its mother's arms the entire time. (laughs) So that's us. Here we are in God's arms the entire times, but it's like our eyes are covered. Our eyes are covered. We don't see it, but it's going on right around us. And you know what that covering of the eyes is? The natural order. You see, we see regularity all around us. We don't see, for the most part, miracles around us, unless you, you know, are experiencing these incredible, like, coincidences, right, all the time, which are which are really like, you know, these, like, little miracles that happen throughout, just to open up your eyes that God is right there. But for the most part, we're just blinded. We're blinded to what's around us by this natural order. So how do we see through it? How do we see through it? How do we see through the natural order to understand that everything is miracles? How do we see through the idea that the beginning of everything is not darkness and then came light, but the beginning of everything is actually light And that darkness itself is a creation, because that's what the Torah says. It says darkness is a creation. You see, that's why it twists up our minds so much when we think that the beginning is darkness. Because then we think that's the natural, that's the natural order of things, is nothingness. And then there's this light, and that light is a creation. But do you understand the difference? Light is not a creation. Darkness is a creation. All there is is light. Darkness is the creation. A very, very big difference. See, you know, there's a lot of people, even again in the realm of believers, whatever that category is, there are a lot of people who who, who really think that uh, through my belief, uh, I'm working so hard, through my belief, I'm creating the presence of God. Can I tell you something? God exists whether you believe in him or not. It's very nice if you believe, but God doesn't need you to believe for him to exist. You know, there's a, a famous, famous philosophical canard, if I'm using that word correctly, which is, did did God create man or did man create God? I mean, it's a great sort of like, uh, it's a great falsehood to think that man kind of created God. But even, even people who believe fall into this trap. They believe that through my belief, I create the presence of God. In other words, really, there's just darkness. But through my belief, I create light. But it's not true. Again, light is the foundation of everything. Darkness is the creation. And again, let's go back to that awesome, awesome Torah of the Chidush Arim, who says that what the Greeks tried to do was not just to impurify the oil, but to impurify our minds. 
And what is that impurification? The belief that the only thing that's there is what we can see with our eyes and what we can prove with a computer or with a measuring device. The world is much more awesome than that. Okay. So now, let me tell you something, which is, what is really, you know, there's something very, very uh, telling. And, and I think that we can maybe, excuse me, have a new appreciation for this, which is historically, if you look at all of the Jewish holidays, historically, just in terms of, um, you know, just just the, 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 the dates that these events happen, what is the last holiday that happened, just historically speaking? In other words, the one closest the one furthest away from creation and the one closest to when we are now. What is the last holiday on the calendar that happened? And the answer is Hanukkah. So why is that? Why is Hanukkah the very, very, like God said, okay, you got Hanukkah and that's going to last you till Mashiach. What is so great about Hanukkah that it's going to last us till Mashiach? That that was sort of the finishing touches of the holiday, the finishing touch. Okay. Well, let's explore that. And it ties into everything we've been saying up until now. Okay. Now, if I were to ask you what, just, you know, you know, these um, sort of uh, researchers who like, like the Pew Foundation and things like that, people who like, you know, research how Jews like, um, kind of like live and things like that. Well, the, the two holidays that, that sort of like sociologists say are most widely observed by Jews in the world today are the Pesach Seder and lighting the menorah of Hanukkah, okay? Even among pretty, you know, Jews who aren't so affiliated and maybe a little bit not so connected, whatever, nonetheless, they're, they're lighting the menorah. Why is that? How could it be that, that it's lasted? And, and why on a deeper level should that be the point that has the endurance to last in our homes and in our minds and in our souls? So I want to say the following, and this is my own analysis, but if you think about it, if I were to say to you, where do miracles exist on the Jewish calendar? Well, you could say absolutely everywhere, and that would be correct. But, but let's kind of just talk about the average person thinking about the holidays. Well, how does an average person think about um, the Passover, right? I, I would say that they would say it is the holiday of freedom. Now, it's true there were plagues and, 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 and signs and wonders, but I think most people when they're celebrating Pesach, right, what they're celebrating is the holiday of freedom. We were slaves and then we got free. That's the essence of it. Shvuas, if they even have heard about it, it's about getting the Torah. Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, it's all about getting my act together, right? Sukkot, I'm hanging out in a little hut, right? So where, where do you see miracles? Hanukkah. Purim, I'm dressing up, right? And I'm drinking. But where are the miracles? Hanukkah. In other words, the last bastion, the last bas- bastion, 
of the notion of the miraculous is the last holiday that God left us with. Because there's no other way to understand Hanukkah except the most simple thing in the world. This event defied nature. <laughs> Something happened, and you can't explain it in other, any other way except to say that it was a miracle. Do you understand? The greatest miracle of Hanukkah is the survival of the concept of miracles in the Jewish soul. <laughs> Miracles lasted. The, I, that's what Hanukkah is. Okay, now let's start to put it all together again. So do you know what it is when you light the menorah? Do you know what it is when you're looking at that flame? You're looking at the light that existed before the world was created. <laughs> you're looking at the foundation of everything. You're looking at the fact that the foundation of all of reality is is the miraculous and not the natural order. And that is the Or Haganus. That is the original light of creation. It's alive and it's present. And that is the fixing of the eyes, right? Because Hanukkah is the fixing of the eyes because now you can look at yourself and you can realize I'm not stuck. I'm not stuck because I'm a new creation every single moment and I can turn in any direction that I want because I'm not stuck. And you can look at each other and you can say, you know, you were here a moment ago, but how are you still here? How awesome is that? Right? Like, you know, can you imagine you get the best present in the world and then you get it again and then you get it again and then you get it again and not to grow tired of it? You know, I heard Reb Shlomo say one time, and I bless all the couples out there and all the all the couples to be out there that they that they should have this blessing, right? He said, you know, usually when you when you love someone the most, when you miss someone the most, is when they're not there, right? You they're gone, you're longing for them, and then you can't wait for them to get back, and then a lot of times they get back, and you're like you get annoyed with them within 10 minutes. <laughs> it's like, so he says, you know what the highest level is? To miss someone while they're still there. <laughs> like if you can have that level of longing for someone while they're still there, that's the highest. And that's the idea of understanding that everything is a miracle, even amidst the natural order. Okay, so I want to go even further because uh, the Torah, this Torah kind of came to me um, during davening today. And I'm like, you know, once once you hear it, it's like you think, oh, like, of course, you know what I mean? It's, it's so strange the way that happens. Like, you never would have thought about it in a million years. And then you hear it and you go, of course, you know, it's, it's by the way, that's one of my favorite stories in the whole world, if, if you don't know it which is from, um, it's from uh, the Brisker Rav. And the Brisker Rav was, you know, one of our, our, our greatest Torah, Torah geniuses. And um, especially his analysis of uh, the Talmud and his methodology of how to learn the Talmud. And um, anyway, one time he was able to, 
you know, synthesize like awesome amounts of information and, and, and put it out in like a very simple way. It was like this genius level thing. And he told one of his students and his student heard it and said, that's obvious. And he said to him, was it obvious before I said it? <laughs> so what, what, one of the tests of something being true is after you hear it, it should sound obvious, right? But would you have ever have thought about it to begin with? Anyway, that turns out to be a very hyperbolic introduction to the thought I'm trying to tell you. that <laughs> It doesn't fall into any of those categories, but it's a good story anyway. But I do want to just discuss this idea of what a nace is. Um, so how do you spell nace? Nace is nun samach. Very, very simple to spell. Nace. Okay. And it means, it means the miraculous, right? Which is what we're talking about. Which is that the order of everything is the miraculous. And you know, we can't talk about miracles without telling you the, the, this, this Torah from the Ramban, who says that anyone Right? This is like one of our absolutely like, like all of Judaism is built on, you know, a handful of thinkers, and one of them is the Ramban. And he says the following Anyone who doesn't say that everything that happens is a miracle has no share in the Torah of Moshe. Can you imagine? You can't say it any more strongly than that. Okay? Okay. So, so let's look at this word nace. Now, now I want to tell you something. David Amelech wrote the Tehillim, the Psalms, right? Most of them, right? And, um, and probably one of his most famous ones is Ashrei. And in fact, we, we say it three times a day. And, and it says in the Talmud that if you say Ashrei three times a day, you're guaranteed to share in the world to come. So it's a, it's a big prayer to say. And it goes through the Aleph base, all of the letters of, of the, of the uh, alphabet, okay? And of course, we know that God created the world with the with the Hebrew letters, and that on a deeper level, the the each letter is a different like energy wavelength. He combined all these energies to create the physical universe. Okay, so if you actually look at Ashrei, and um, you know our sages going all the way back, like discovered what I'm about to tell you. Okay, which is that there's a letter missing. Now, isn't that strange? The 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 whole point is that there is no letter missing. It's going through the whole olive base. All right, so now I got a pause to tell you one of the best stories ever. So what's this letter missing, right? So I heard this story from Reb Eli Chaim, Olav Shalom. He was Reb Shlomo's twin brother. And I had the privilege of davening with him and being in a, at the Karlobach Show on 79th Street with him for many, many years. And... Um, and Reb Eli Chaim told me the following story, told us the following story, which is, it's, it's a mushal, okay? One of the great mashalim. Um, I've never seen this in a book, by the way. Um, it may be, but, but I just heard it from him. So, so there was a king. By the way, whenever you hear about a story about a king and his son, it's always talking about God and the Jewish people. So, so there was a king, and he, he had a son, but the king was very old, and the son was very young. And the king realized that, um, that, that this was his only heir, and he wanted to pass on 
all of his kingdom, like all of his treasures to his son. But he understood that if he gave them to any intermediary, that there was a danger that the intermediary was going to steal them and that the son would never get them. So the, the king the king had this dilemma. How is he going to get how is he going to get this tremendous treasure to his son? Now the king was a very great architect and he built all these palaces. And there was one room in particular that was just astonishingly beautiful and it was very, very complex, but just he just the king pulled it off and he, he just created just perfection there. And when the son got older, this was after the king, you know, was gone. Um, so, so of course, God never goes away, but now we're in the, the story version of this. So, so the son would love to go to this one room, which was so complex and awesome, and sit and daven and, and meditate and think about his father in this room and everything like that. And one day, the son notices an irregularity in the mosaic on the wall. And he thought to himself, there's a flaw in this design. And then he thinks to himself, how could it be? My father was like such a master and everything else in this room is so perfect. How could it be that there's a flaw here? And then he realized that problem was a message that the king, his father, was sending to him. And he broke through the wall And behind the wall was the treasure. (laughs) So you see what it is? If there's anything, God is perfect. If there's any imperfection in this world, it's a sign to us to dig deeper. And behind that imperfection, if you dig deeper, you will find a treasure. You will find a treasure of self-discovery, of insight into yourself, into your life, into this world, into the Torah. You will find the treasure. Okay. So with that as an introduction, how can Ashrei, which goes through every letter of the alphabet, every single line begins with, you know, a sequential letter. How could it be it's missing the letter Nun? Well, the Gomorrah explains it. It says Nun stands for the word uh, to fall, nofal, to fall. And, 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 and David Amelech didn't want to incorporate the idea of the Jewish people falling into Asher. So, so, so what did he do? In the letter Samech, and it, it Samech stands for um, to uplift, Somech. David and Melech put the letter Nun in the line about Samech, which, by the way, is the next letter. In other words, it goes from Nun to Samech. So, so David and Melech skips the letter Nun, and then he places it in the next line with the Samech, so that it reads Somech no Flim, which means that God uplifts the fallen. In other words, the fallen are only mentioned in the context of not just free falling, God forbid. 
the fallen are only mentioned in the context of being uplifted and saved. That's what it means, so so the, the letter Nun is there, the concept of falling in this world is there, but only in the greater context of being uplifted and saved within the Samech. You know, Reb Shlomo said one of the greatest Torahs about the letter Samech. If you know, the, the letter Samech is drawn, it's a circle. And he says, do you know what the, the, the soul language is, is when you hug someone? What's happening when you hug someone? With your arms, you're making a Samech around them. And you know what you're communicating to them on a soul level when you, when you hug them, when you make a Samech around them? You're telling them, I'm not going to let you fall. Isn't that awesome? And that's what David and Melech is saying is the case with Hashem. Hashem is telling us, you know what? There might be falling in this world, but you should know I'm never going to let you fall. And now isn't that interesting that the dynamic of falling but being saved spells the word miracle. Nun samich. Nes. The person is falling. Nun. Samich. They're uplifted. That's literally what the word miracle is spelling. And, and when do you get a miracle? Everything was going wrong. And then what? The sea split. The Egyptians were about to get us. And then you know what happened? The sea split. We were falling. And then you know what happened? Hashem caught us. It's literally the definition of a miracle. That's because, you know, you know, in AA, they say you can fall off the wagon, right? Someone's having a, an issue and then they kind of get it together and then they fall again, right? They were on the wagon and then they fell off the wagon. God forbid we should know from it, right? But you know, in Torah, if you fall off the wagon, you fall onto another wagon. <laughs> That's what it is. That's somech noflim. That's, that's it. You, you are never without a mitzvah in Torah. So I just stole. I just stole. I'm a thief. I'm a thief. I just stole. Yeah, but guess what? Now you fell onto a new wagon. You know what it's called? Tshuva. <laughs> now you can return. Now you can return what you stole. You've got a new mitzvah. You're not out of the game. There's always tshuva. So, so you know what? That flame, that flame's inside of us. Because, you know, if you look at a flame, you know what it looks like? The little letter Yud. And you've got the pintaliyid inside you. You've got a flame inside you. And it never goes out. You're lit. <laughs> but how can you not be lit? Because if all there is is light, what's your soul? Your soul is a piece of God. You're walking around with a fire burning inside you at all times. It doesn't go out. It doesn't stop. You are the ner tamid. You are that candle that keeps on going. The light doesn't end. And everything is a miracle. 
for, for me, one of the kind of turning points in my life was realizing that you get to choose the world that you want to live in. And I think so many people are just, um, don't, aren't even aware that that's an option. They just think that, um, you know, life is going to do what life is going to do. And then I will just react to life as it, as it comes my way. But, um, you know, that's life living you. That's not you living life. You, you can, you can choose what you want to believe. Because the truth is, is that even if you don't choose what you want to believe, you are still choosing what you, what you want to believe. You just didn't make a conscious choice. You know, and, and, and the thing is, is that as, as we become adults, we have this, this wonderful opportunity to make a conscious choice to decide what world we want to be living in. And you can choose to live in a world of darkness, or you can choose to live in a world of light, a world that's still in the process of being created that isn't finished yet, where everyone's a work in progress. You know, you don't have to be a Pollyanna. You don't have to think that everyone's good. You can still acknowledge that there's evil in the world and you, it's got to be vanquished and you need to avoid it. And it doesn't mean that you have to hang out with people who make you crazy, Right. I'm not advocating any of that. But it also doesn't mean that you just have to think all that's there is what's coming my way. And and once you decide that, you know, you know that you will see life through the lens of what I have as opposed to what I don't have. And everyone can make that choice to decide to see the world through the lens of what they have. And it will, I'm telling you, you, you literally can change your life this second. Um, so, so yeah. means so, test. Yeah. And you're saying that, that it's in two parts, that word. Nes, which is a miracle, and Yavan, which is the Greeks. So I would say that that, it just, it just, just working it through on, a, on a, just a very straightforward level, that is the nature of a test, which is, is it from God or is this the natural order? In other words, right? Like, is this just, oh. Yeah, Hellenism versus, Hellenism versus what we know to be true, that things that look natural are not. Right. And that, that's really the nature of every test in a way. You know, you can dig down right there. So, so that's the ultimate culture clash. It's the ultimate culture clash. And again, it goes back to this idea of the world doesn't work in a one plus one equals two way. Because everybody knows that it's sort of like, you know, like, like with Shaduchim, with all sorts of things, like, I gave up, it was never going to happen. And then it happened. <laughs> how did that happen? I don't know how it happened. <laughs> It wasn't supposed to happen. And then it happened. Why? Because the world doesn't work in a one plus one equals two way. It just doesn't. Yeah. And so always, like for me, one of the things that I always have to remember is that my limited view is exactly that. It's limited. I can't assume that, you know, and like, like you said, one plus one equals two. Me putting in a is 
know all I know, but ultimately there are things that happen that are beyond my comprehension, which I could never even conceive of or think of. You know, like you have an amazingly creative mind, but you know, God is exponentially more creative, right? So to always remember that right. things things can happen in ways that I'll never fathom. You know, and, and to keep putting the faith in that. Yeah, and, and to keep on putting the work in, you know, I I got an email from someone that was so special who I haven't been in touch with. And he told me that, you know, I've been listening to the talks like over the last month or so. And, and, and just, he was just telling me just where he is in his life and how meaningful they've been. And it was very meaningful to me. But I realized, here's why I'm bringing it up. I don't think he's listened to the last 150 talks. <laughs> But if I hadn't done the last 150 talks, he wouldn't have listened to the, the, the last three. She never saw your show shows with do, do, do you know what I'm saying? Yes. yes. So, so we have to just... Oh, I think, uh, I think that you're on... Yeah. So, it, it, so we have to just keep on doing what we have to keep on doing. And then who knows what foundation that's laying... For something else, we don't know. We don't know. Right. Thanks for listening. We do this every week. So join in again next Sunday for our new podcast where we explore the amazingness of life. And review us and send in any comments or suggestions. I'd love to hear them.